1: It's time to open the word once again with evangelist Lester Roloff on the Family Altar program. Glory
0: for all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. I hope all of our friends will bring their Bible. When they come, you'll get more out of the service, and our radio friends, if you'll kindly make it a habit to get near your Bible, when the broadcast comes on the air, you'll be, I think, doubly blessed. I have an experience today that reminded me of one of the most horrible experiences I ever had in my life, and I want to talk with you about it. We got to the airport today, and were about ready to leave, and found that one of our girls had been left. I mean, we looked around, and some of them uh, thought she was hiding, But really, she wasn't. We'd left her. She had been completely left. And you know, it's amazing, and yet not amazing, but the girls didn't want to leave her. They said, no, let's go get her. Let's go get her. We don't want her left. We don't want her left. We wouldn't leave her in this big old city. We feel that she needs to go with us. Now, that inspired me to preach on a subject tonight. And I'll tell you another story. And this is a true story. When I was a little boy, just a little lad, I tell you, this is the most horrible experience, I guess. I mean, it shook me up for days, I guess, and weeks. And I almost get afraid now, though I'm removed from this experience over 40 years. I'd say 45 years ago, this happened. My granddad and my grandmother, who had worked hard all of their life and had accomplished and had accumulated a good deal. They had about the biggest and nicest car, a Hupmobile, the old, green, beautiful Hupmobile. My, it was the envy of the people uh, as they saw it drive down the road. But uh, my granddaddy, he never did really become an accomplished driver. He never did. Now, when Melvin uh, got old enough, uh, he would drive for my granddaddy, and my granddaddy would sit in the back seat. And, of course, Melvin, like any other boy, would like to kind of push the accelerator, the foot feed, toward the floor. And granddad was so busy, he's so busy looking at the fields and observing the crops and waving at everybody until he did not notice, until maybe my brother, would run down a hill and hit that old hogback bridge. You know, you hit it, and and then when that back had hit it, oh, my granddaddy would go to the top of the car, <laughs> mash his little black hat in, and he'd sometimes fall between the seats. <laughs> and he now, my granddaddy never did curse. He never did. I never heard him not one time. He'd get pretty mad sometimes. He was a great worker. Oh, he wasn't in a hurry. My, he wasn't in a hurry. Everything had to move, had to move. And uh, he'd get up and he'd say, mm, that's the value blame, boy. He said, I tell you, he said, in step in, instead of stepping on the brake, you step on the Zeus. And uh, <laughs> that's about it. And that's the way a lot of our drivers are today. But my, my daddy would take the trips with my granddaddy and grandmother, and they'd go to West Texas to see my Uncle Willie and my Aunt Allie. That was the only daughter that they had. And they'd go about once a year. And, uh, of course, that was a tremendously long trip, all the way from Dawson, Texas, out to Colorado City, uh, not too far from Big Spring. And uh, so uh, my daddy was going to go with him. And my uncle, Ruby, they called him Rudy, but uh, it was Uncle Ruby. And he was going. And I was the youngest of the Roloff boys. And my daddy extended to me. An invitation to also go. I cleared with my mother, and she said it'll be all right. But Harry, you must look after Lester. And he said I will. You know how that is. And and he thoroughly intended. I'd ride in the front sometime, in the back sometime. And so we got way out to a place called Post. Mm. And after that, I nearly fell out with post-toasters. I mean, <laughs> anything with a post. But we, we, we drove up to a, a little store, and they got some gasoline. And I went in the store, and I was doing a little candy shopping. And uh, so I stepped outside the store, and I can hear that old hubmobile now. Mmm. Mmm. And I said, Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, oh, listen, you talk about it. I said, you don't mean it. I mean, fear. I, I was always the nervous, sickly member of the Royal family. And that old Huttmobile, I, and I looked, and there was a little store down below. And I said, oh, my, are they just going on down there. And listen, when they got to that little store, they'd change all the gears they had. And I mean. They, they, listen, they were in high. And, brother, you talk about changing gears. I started changing them. Ah, listen, you talk about running. They left me. L-E-F-T. I was left. Just a little old bitty boy. I mean, between, I imagine, I must have been between 7 and 10 years old. I'd never been away from my mother and dad not one night of my life. And I looked up and so helped me. That car, I'm telling you, that green Huffmobile, went around the last curve. And that's the last I saw it. You talk about running. I didn't stand around there. I mean, I didn't go to the fellow and say, would you try? I, listen, all I knew to do that I could do was just run. <laughs> and brother? I'll guarantee you, I ran as fast as I could run. I started running, and they will forget. Really, an old T model came up alongside me. Really, it just seemed like that old T model just stayed right side. of it. I'd look over at him, and you know, and I, and I, I just I, really, I he was going pretty slow, but I was going awful fast. I'll tell you that. That's the only thing I knew to do was just to run. I knew that I'd been left. I had every thought. I said, I had every thought. I said, well, this is one way my dad has to getting rid of me. I mean, that thought really came through my mind. I said, why, you know he, he could have missed me. You know somebody would. They intended to leave me out here in West Texas without a friend on earth. Now, that might not bother kids now, because they'll run off from home ages 6 and 7 and 8. Not me. Brother, I tell you. Uh, I, and I just ran. I just ran. I tell you, I don't believe I ever slowed down. I ran down that road, and, and they just kept going. I mean, I didn't see them at all. And I finally ran up over a railroad track. And, uh, I, I, and I looked, and I saw that helpmobile coming back. Boy, listen, that's the most beautiful car. <laughs> That's the most beautiful uh, approaching scene I've ever seen in all my life. And, of course, I started slowing down. I really did. Tears were rolling down my face. I'd been left. I had been left. And somehow fear seized my soul and my little old body, and I was so scared. And they pulled up, and my dad started trying to comfort me. I said son, we didn't really mean to leave you. He had a hard time convincing me they did leave me.
1: <laughs>
0: they did leave. Horrible feeling. But dear friends, when God called me to preach, it had been a many a night I dreamed that the rapture had taken place, and nobody had ever preached the rapture. Never. I'd never heard anybody preach on the rapture. And. Uh, when God was dealing with me. Listen, not only that, but then I'd be out in the field. I'd be out in the field. I mean, in our field, by myself. Maybe I was plowing, and all of a sudden, it seemed that, that everything was going up. And I'd stand there, literally, I'd stop the team. I'd stand there paralyzed with fear because I didn't get off the ground. I mean, I just stood there. I was left. The most horrible thing that'll ever happen to anybody on this earth is to be left when Jesus comes and all the Christians go home. And we're on the very verge of that experience right now. I do not believe it'll be long, girls and boys and men and women, until Jesus will come back again. I see every sign fulfilled in this old book right now, every one of them. I could preach two hours right now. I could preach two full hours on the signs that I see that have already been fulfilled according to this book. And as I look around me right now, name them, just name anything that God said. I'm going to read some of them right now. In the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 24, let's read the 37th verse because it'll introduce Noah. But as the days of Noah were so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He said, just like it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were what? Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, right up until the day he got in the ark. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Now that's our program today. Soda water drinking, beer drinking, liquor drinking, drinking, just drinking. I mean, man is drinking. You've never known in your life. They'll have a Coke break. They'll have a coffee break. They'll have uh, a liquor break. You can't have a party without drinking, drinking and eating. The church can't have a meeting without eating. I mean, they'll be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and it'll be a lustful age, and it'll be a seeing age when the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were what? F-A-I-R, fair. They went by their looks, not by their character, not by their purity, not by their cleanliness but they saw that they were what we'd call good-looking and said, that's good enough for me. And so they chose them wives, W-I-V-E-S, that's plural. There'll be a plurality of wives, and as a result, there'll be juvenile delinquents and broken homes, and there'll be trouble with the younger generation. That's what we see now. The Bible said the children will be against the parents, and the parents will be against the children, Bible said that they'll be without natural affection. That's reading you've read about deserted children. That's you've read, that's reading you've read so many uh, articles in the papers about where some children were left, little babies left in garbage cans. Bible said violence will cover the face of the earth, and that's all we see now. That's reading. I care not for the newspaper. I have no time for it anymore. We'd never teach our girls to sing and to memorize the Scripture and to live the way you live if we allowed the newspaper and the television set and all the rest of it. We can't afford to subject you to that. We could never do it. We never will. You'd say you're fanatical. I told you I out of way long, but I never got that way until I got saved. Of course, I was fanatical about the world. But I remind you, dear friend, that we'll never get people to live like they ought to unless we protect them and give them the right thing. And God wants us to give them pure and sweet and blessed thing. We're living in the end of the end time. You put it down and you'll find out one of these days that I'm right about it. They didn't know anything about it until the flood came and took them A-double-L, took every one of them away. Everybody outside the ark, that means everybody that's not saved will be taken away. There won't be anybody saved. You won't be saved if Jesus comes tonight. You won't be saved tomorrow. You won't be saved after tomorrow. You won't be saved ever. You'll not be saved. The Gentiles are having their last call, and you will not be saved if you reject Jesus Christ in this service. The Bible said they were all taken away, and you're going to be taken away to hell. You'd say, brother, well, are Trying to scare us? Well, it'd be well if anybody that's unsaved could get scared. What if your house was burning, three o'clock in the morning? I jerked the screen off, busted out the window light, hollered, what, what would you say? Brother Olaf, take it easy. You're not trying to scare us, are you? I said, no, the house is burning. Just lay there and burn. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do it other way. And yet, listen, it wouldn't be so bad to burn up physically, man. You'd be in heaven like that if you're saved. But suppose you're not saved and you're going out to meet God. It'll be that forever. Yes, the Bible teaches that. Now then. They didn't know till the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Now that means they'll be farming. One farmer will be taken and one will be left. That means that maybe Farmer Jones over here will be plowing and uh, Farmer Brown, across the fence, uh, we'll be plowing, and uh, the unsaved farmer will look up and see his neighbor's tractor coming across the turn row, busting through the fence, climbed over the ditch, came out of it, and came right straight across his field plowing. And he'll jump off of his plow and say, Isn't that a sight? I wonder if he got killed. What in the world happened to my neighbor? He'll run over there and catch the tractor and cut it off and then run down across there and where the trail was made and, and said, surely I'll find him in a minute. And he goes looking and looking. And he said, and he runs to the house, knocks on the door, doesn't see anybody around. And he said, say, hey, well, I, I wonder what's happened to them. i tell you what's happened to them. They've gone home. The Bible said one will be plowing, two will be plowing, one will be taken, and the other will be left. Read on. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. That means that the mills will be running, and there will be one working here at this table, one at this table, and Mary will say to Susie, Susie, come here a minute, and Susie's gone. And Mary will say, well, that's strange. She was there just a few seconds ago, and her machine's running. She always cuts it off. What's happened? i tell you what's happened. She's gone to meet the Lord, and you got left because you were not saved. Now, the Bible said there'll be Two sleeping in the bed in another place. Can you imagine, won't this be some experience? And this is just what the book says. Two will be sleeping in the bed. One will be taken. One will be left. Suppose John wakes up in the morning and maybe hears the alarm clock go off and he says to his dear wife, Honey, put the coffee pot on or jump up and fix breakfast. And he feels over there, and she's gone. Honey's not there. He said, Well, that's strange. She's already up before the alarm clock went off. But he said, The kitchen's dark. Maybe the baby's sick. He beats it down the hall and goes into the nursery room and and turns on the light, and there's nothing left but a little blanket. And the baby's gone. He said, that's strange, sure enough. The baby's gone, she's gone, and she left me during the night. That's right. Reckon what happened? They're both gone. They're both gone. You say, that sounds so strange. I know it. You see, it never has happened before, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The rapture's going to take place. The Bible says that Jesus is coming for his own, and he's going to take us. Home to be with him now the question I'm asking tonight who's gonna be left who's gonna be left would you want to be left down here you think about waking up in the morning and uh, Papa's gone and granny's gone and uh, every Christian in the home is gone I wonder if we'd have any how many girls we would have left you think of it no adults no leaders nobody to help you You'd say, well, I could do exactly what I wanted to do then. All right. But there'd be nobody here to teach you a song. There'd be nobody here to play. There'd be nobody here to pray. Because every Christian's going. There'd be nothing but unsaved people. Because every Christian's going. There'd be nothing but unsaved people. The Holy Spirit's going to be gone. And brother, when the Holy Spirit leaves, that's our only hope right there of being saved. Bible said he's leaving with his church. He's going to be gone. So far as your opportunity, you'll never have. You'll never have another opportunity to be saved when Jesus comes. This—did you, you realize the Gentiles have had two thousand years to get right with the Lord? Our witness is worse today than it's ever been. I know of no revival of fire that's burning in Corpus Christi tonight, and you don't either. I've been in this city 27 years, come another month or two. And it's far deader and more wicked, and it's even voted the old saloon back. Think about how wicked a a city's got to get to do that. And the people, the leaders of this city said, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to Corpus Christi to get the saloon back. We're going to get more money and more revenue. Talk about wicked. You talk about rotten and ungodly. One of the nastiest cities. All of them are becoming that way now. Pleasure seeking. Why they're getting something in? They'll be drinking, drinking when Jesus comes. And yet, here's the results of it right here. John Barleycorn's the daddy of much of the difficulty we got right here. Drinking daddies and liquor drinking mothers. And here's what the result of it: their little children have been cast out and given away and put off in a home somewhere. Why? Many of them are without natural affection. And I'm not criticizing your parents. I'm simply saying that's the result of sin. Who's going to be left and who's going to be taken? Oh, I tell you, really, the desire of my heart is that everyone in this room, if Jesus should come tonight, we'd be ready to go. There's nothing... I tell you the girls sing, if Jesus should come, I wouldn't waste my time telling anybody goodbye. I'd just take off. Oh, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. And and the thing I want to make real plain before the message is over is that getting ready is so simple. It's so simple. And I want you to know how. Now turn to the book of Ezekiel, and this is the chapter that'll be our text tonight. Chapter 9. Chapter 9. we begin reading at verse 4, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city. So we better back up. I want to start reading at the first verse because we'll get the picture better. He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. Tell every man that has charge of the city now, to get his destructive weapon and come on, put it in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. This is a precious picture tonight. Now, he said there were six men with the destroying weapons, and there's going to be judgment in the city. He said we're going to have to destroy some folks, but he said there was one man, and he was clothed with linen. That's That's a symbol of purity and cleanliness, but there's only one. There's only one. Well, the writer's acorn by side and they went in and stood beside the brazen altar and the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon he was to the threshold of the house and he called to the man clothed with linen which had the rider's acorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Plain, isn't it? Man, there's only one of them, with a writer's ink horn, and I believe he had red ink in the ink horn. I know one thing. We're redeemed by the red blood of the Lord Jesus. And he said, I want you to mark the men. Notice where he put the mark. He didn't put it on the heel. He didn't put it on the feet. He didn't put it under the dress or under the trousers. He didn't put it under the coat or up the sleeve. You know where he put it? He put it right on the forehead. Brother, as far as I'm concerned, that means an open profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid of the marking. Don't be afraid of the brand. I'm not talking about being a Baptist or Methodist or Southern Baptist or Texas Baptist, Independent, or anything. I'm talking about putting that, Sweet, precious brand of Jesus Christ on you. And set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that do what? That sigh and that cry for the abominations that be done in the midst. In other words, the people that are sick of sin, the people that are crying over their sin. He said, I want you to mark them because destruction's coming. You know who's going to be marked for the rapture? It's the people that have repented and said, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. May I say again to encourage you, and I know, because you've told me, many of you, where you've been, what you've done, and how horrible it is, and how unhappy you were, but I've got good news for you. The worst thing in the world is not to sin. The worst thing is to sin and not ask God to forgive you. I mean, there's no reason, there's no excuse for any girl To stay in this home over one day and then go to hell. You have no right to ever say, and you could never say before the Lord, nobody ever told me. Why we tell you every day. Tell you every day. The girls tell you, and the leaders tell you, and Brother Bradley Talley tells you, and I tell you. And this is a simple place of salvation and evangelism. And that's all we've got to do around here is to win people to Christ. The average church Doesn't have the people in it enough to win anybody Christ. The average church is empty tonight. Many churches have no services at all except Sunday morning. I can take you to churches that'll have a Sunday morning service of one hour, and I'll guarantee everything will be dark for the next seven days. No gospel, no preaching, no invitation, no crying and weeping over the abominations of our city. Then wonder why our people in the fix they're in. We've lost the seeking note Brother Brad was talking about a while ago. The New Testament church was geared to win souls, and that's our business. That's our opportunity, is to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's see what's going to happen. He said we're going to get some folks marked, and the people that are going to be marked are those that's going to sigh and going to cry over the abominations. that be done in the midst. And to the others, he said, in my hearing. Go ye after him through the city, and smite. Let not your eyes spare. Neither have ye pity. Slay utterly, old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark. Watch from a mark, folks. Watch for the blood mark. Watch for the birth mark. Amen. Watch for the mark that's going to be put on with the writer's ink horn on the forehead. Don't you touch it. Don't you touch it. And I'll tell you something else. The men with the destroying weapons could not move one peg until the rider ink horn had done his work and gone through and marked and found every man, woman, boy, and girl that sighed and cried over the sins. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. Yes begin right up there where they go to church. You can start with them on Sunday morning. You can start right through the church membership. And every man that doesn't have the mark on him of salvation by grace through faith plus nothing, I mean, he's going to be cut down, and judgment's going to overtake him. This is what the book teaches. You can laugh and sneer, and some of y'all can mark time And some of you can say, I'll be glad when I get out of this place. It's straight, laced, and narrow-minded, and all the rest. But there'll come a day when you'd give a million worlds, just like this, and to come back for 10 seconds in this home to cry out to God, Lord, have mercy upon my soul. I know that. I know that. And so he said, begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house, And he said unto them, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth and slew in the city. Now then, here's the brightest verse. And it came to pass while they were slaying them, and I was left. They didn't get me. The destroying weapon came by, and I could see that old sword drawn, that old weapon that cut my head off. And somebody said, Wait a minute. Look on his forehead. And he put his sword down and kept a walking. I got left. Now that's the kind of left I want, don't you? I mean, I did, he didn't get me. I will not be judged. There is therefore now no judgment to them that are in Christ Jesus. And he said, I was left. And I fell upon my face and cried and said, Ah, oh, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Brother, I'll tell you this. When we realize, you know what he rec- you know what he said? He recognized the lordship of Jesus. He said, Ah, Lord God. He'd already claimed him as his Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God, hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible said, Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. And as many as received him, to them gave he the authority or the right or the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What will my answer be? What can I say when Jesus calls? me to come home. What can I bring that will ever repay the wonderful love He has shown? Day follows night, night follows day. Further and farther I roam. What will my answer be? Oh, what can I say when Jesus beckons me home. I know that Jesus will never forsake. His love will find me away. He'll bridge the gap if his hand I will take. But when he calls, what can I say? Day follows night, night follows day further and further i roam what will my answer be what can i say when jesus beckons me home an old man said one day as i played with his wicked son who's wasted his life in alcohol now yet he was just a young man old uncle dave had his Had his uh, big mustache here. Great old godly man. Loved Jesus. Poor man he was. I walked out to the field one day, and I made the round, the complete round, witnessing to his big old boy, talking to him about the Lord. And that boy, just a young man, close to 20, maybe 25 at that time, he looked at me and he said, Brother Olaf, plenty of time plenty of time I'm a young man I'm in perfect hell don't rush me I want to do what I want to do for a while the old man looked at him said son the old must and the young may die the old man died The young man lived, but he still made a tragic mistake because the liquor bottle has defeated him and left him a very lonely old sinner. He's a little older than I am. He's 60 now and more. His health is broken. His faith is shattered. His home is unhappy. His children are disappointed. He made the mistake, didn't he? turned his back on Jesus when he was young, and now he's still against God when he gets old. Today's the day, and now's the time. And every time you say no to Jesus, the devil weaves his little cobweb a little tighter. That's the way he catches spiders, did you know that? Oh, listen, that the spider can catch his fly by his cobweb. The old fly comes flying along. The cobweb looks so pretty, you know. And the little fly thought, my, I believe I'll just sail through. But he doesn't. And directly the old spider comes climbing up. And he's got him. You know, the spider web of sin looks pretty beautiful sometimes. You say, isn't that beautiful tapestry? My, old Satan can make it look awful good. And I listen at them singing and hollering and laughing and having a big time. I believe we'll go over there. And you step into the devil's web. And most of them never get out of it. You girls, bless your dear hearts. And the people in this auditorium out in Redwood, you're so fortunate to be out of the web you got yourself into. Only God could pluck you out of that web. You could have been dead a dozen times, and yet God plucked you out there's a line that is drawn by rejecting our lord where the call of his spirit is lost and you just hurry along with an old pleasure mad throng have you counted have you counted the cost? Have you counted the cost? If your soul should be lost, though you may gain the whole world for your own, even now it may be that the line you have crossed—have you counted? Oh, have you counted? the call. While the door of his mercy is open to you, ere the depth of his love you exalt. Won't you come and be healed? Won't you just whisper, I yield, I have counted. I have counted the cost. Have you counted the cost if your purse should be lost? Though you may gain the whole world for your own, even now it may be that the line you have crossed, have you counted? Have you counted the cost? I'd count the cost tonight. I'd just count the cost. Think of it being right in the land of opportunity today and they'll all be gone this time tomorrow. And they will forget. Oh, in Navarra Mills, I went to see a little girl, 15. I pled with her to give her heart to Jesus. That's in the very beginning days of my ministry. It's been 30. Six thirty-seven years ago, I talked to the little girl and I said, Honey, wouldn't you like to trust Jesus and realize you're a sinner? And her mother stepped into the room and said, Sinner? Sinner? My little girl is a sinner? She's never done anything wrong in her life. She's only 15. Oh, I talked with her and I said, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And she said, my little daughter doesn't need to be saved. And the little daughter looked at her mother and felt self-satisfied and turned her back on the preacher's Savior. And I walked away, got in the old car, and drove on down the road. And the telephone rang. And the mother said, Brother Olaf, will you come and preach my daughter's funeral? She's gone. And she sat in her living room and said, there's nothing wrong with her. And I went over there and stood. When that, I, The last time I saw the little girl, she shook her head and said, no, I don't need to be a Christian. And she made her decision forever, 15 years of age. Say what you will, dear friends. I've preached to you a very serious message tonight, and you need to come to Christ and be saved. Oh, today is the day of salvation, and now's the time. Jesus is standing at your heart's door, standing and knocking. He's knocked before, and this is the question that you ask once more. What will you do with Jesus? what will you do with jesus neutral you cannot be someday your heart will be asking what will he do with me bow your heads while we pray the message is over And he said, I want you to get the writer's inkhorn, and I want you to be sure and mark those that sigh and cry for the abominations, the sins. I wonder how many tonight would like to come and get ready for the marking and say, Lord, put the mark on me. I'll not be ashamed except that I've sinned, and I want Jesus to come in my heart tonight. We're going to sing the song that says, Just as I am, without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee. I want every unsaved person in this building to come. Kneel here at the altar and make your confession to Christ and make your profession of faith before men and the Lord will save you tonight. He's already promised two things. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and him that cometh unto me. I will in no wise cast out now if you believe that then just come on tonight and receive him as your personal Savior our Heavenly Father we believe we've delivered the message that you reminded us of today and we leave it in your merciful hands and ask in Jesus name that you'll let nobody that heard the message in radio land or here in this auditorium tonight go to hell, but give them courage and conviction, and then help them to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, may they realize that to get ready for the rapture, they must receive him who's coming after them, and we'll praise thee for it and thank thee for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand together. As we sing, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Just as I am without one plea. Amen. Come on, others of Come on. Come on. Right now. Amen. Others of you, come to Jesus tonight. Amen. Thee, oh, Lamb, I love. I I love. I'm thankful for these that have come. There are others who need to come tonight. Waiting, not saying it. Just as I am and the my my soul. come quickly please to sing if Jesus should come would you be ready would you be ready if he should come tonight I want you to pray by your heads. and if some of the rest of you need to come we're thankful for these that have come any of our boys or men or women you come tonight this is your service and if you're here tonight and you're not ready to meet the Savior not right I hope you'll come right now and receive him we'll be praying right here in the altar and you come along, will you?
1: If Jesus should come, if Jesus should come, I'd welcome his call from on high. There's nothing can keep me, no money nor home. I'm longing, just longing to go. I'm longing to go, longing to go. There's no The trumpet shall sound from those mansions on high. I leave without saying goodbye. I'm longing to, to, go. to go, to There's nothing to keep long. me below. When the trumpet shall sound from those mansions on high, I leave. Without saying
0: goodbye. While our heads are bowed, I want the quartet to sing, If That's the Lights of Home, It's a Welcome Sight. Thank God for these. The Lord's having a business meeting in the altar tonight, saving those who want to be saved. And if you're here tonight, in doubt about your salvation, come to Christ who loved you and died for you. He didn't want you to be tormented by your doubt Come for the assurance. Let Jesus have his way right here tonight. Say, Lord, have mercy upon me. Why are they singing this precious song? We're closing the service with this song.
1: My soul cries out, oh Lord, how long oh, yes. till my joy tally- God, a glimpse of my home in the sky. Nothing in this world keeps me satisfied. Is that the light of home I see? Do I feel the breeze of the to see Is that my Lord standing by on heaven's balcony If that's the light of home it's welcome sight to me Seems I can hear the angels sing With harps of gold And a thousand streams, earth owes no joy when I hear their song. Sweet, beloved land, my home, sweet home, is that the fill the breeze of the crystal sea is that my lord standing by on heaven's balcony if that's the lights of home it's welcome sight to me if that's the lights of home
0: is welcome sight to me. Father, it's about, many have come to the altar tonight, and I'm grateful, may the Lord bless you. Now while you're here on your knees, just remember this: it's God's will to save you. I mean, he's the one that calls you to the altar, and just put your trust in him, and say, Lord, be merciful to your me, sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me, and he rose again. I'll receive him the best I know as my personal savior tonight. No, he said, except to be converted and become a little child, you can never enter in. And it's just as simple as these precious words. Only... for Jesus' blood and after this the service will be dismissed. Let's sing please. We
1: thank thee Lord for this
0: you'll not leave us at all because we're going to leave one another for a little while but go with us to our homes and make us a blessing now in the days ahead Lord I pray to bless these many that are kneeling around this altar tonight of both men and girls God bless their hearts and settle every problem and give sweet peace that passeth understanding and may they go in the strength of the newfound joy and experience Meet with us when we come again, and Lord, uh, fix it where all, by their faith in Jesus, will not be left when Jesus comes. For we pray in Jesus' name, and all the people said, Amen. 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 You're dismissed.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff.